welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. This morning, um, I want to, uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit because I want to have somewhat of an in-house it's hard to have that on a Sunday morning, but I wanted to have a conversation and talk about what's gone on with me. Is that all right? And us moving forward as a church. Um, four years ago, uh, I've known Pastor Rick for almost 17 years now. We both got our churches pretty much off the ground at the same time. Him at Imago, me at the Well Church, and we carried on a relationship that has been as genuine as, as they come. Uh, long before we were doing work together, we were connecting relationally together and being able to bear our souls to one another. And so when I went down to LA after the Well to plant and struggled and was trying to fit, sort of went through this crisis of calling, and not sure what the next step was for my family and I. He floated the idea of moving back to Portland, which we thought was crazy, because we left here saying we'd never return. <laughs> but, uh, but God worked it all out. We ended up coming back. And it was a very tough season for me moving back, uh, because I had felt like I struggled majorly in LA. And when I got back here, uh, the job description, for the most part, was create whatever you feel like will help us engage communities of color. And um, for six months, I, I kind of wanted to get a sense of this new Portland and what gentrification meant for communities of color. And uh, one opportunity led to another. Holla got off the ground. We started doing culturally responsive mentoring. And I jumped full speed in. Uh, excited about this challenge because I always feel I'm 51 years old I feel like I'm just I mean if I had to reduce and distill my calling down to one thing I feel like I'm just one big glorified youth pastor I love young folks and um, so much so that it almost killed me um, as as Holla began to get off the ground um, I found it getting bigger than I anticipated. And uh, as much as I like raising funds and helping with the infrastructure of a nonprofit, what I love most is being present in kids' lives. That's what's most important to me. And, uh, and so as Holla began to get off the ground, Benson, as the girls' basketball coach, uh, emerged, and then Eastside emerged, um, and, and trying to work on a doctorate at the same time. <laughs> and uh, probably about six months ago, I knew something was wrong. Uh, I'm a people person. I love being around people. That's my passion. Like, some people, the way they recharge their battery is 
they get away from people. The way I recharge my batteries, I go have a cigar and a drink with somebody and I'm good. And I found that the traditional ways that I connect with people, I began to disdain. Um, I felt like people became a blur for me. Um, and I didn't know what was wrong. I just, I felt upside down. I had conversations with myself like, what's wrong with you? Get it together. And I realized probably about six weeks ago, I just could not rally anymore emotionally. And I bottomed out in terms of my soul. And uh, I confided with my, my wife um, and Pastor Rick that I was battling with some kind of depression that I couldn't shake out of. And my anxiety was... And uh, it took me a while to even get there because if anybody in this room has ever battled with it, for me, it was new. And I felt very embarrassed and ashamed. Um, like, how in the world could you be pastoring? How can you lead anything? Your family, your, your church, your holla, and be this way. And so it really ate at me. And so when I finally had an opportunity to sit down and kind of talk through it with my wife, talk through it with Pastor Rick, talk through it with uh, Pastor Jeff, um, I realized that I needed to get some help. And in order for me to continue this work, I had to step away from this work. And, um, and so I don't want to get into the details of it all, but I, I am getting that help behind the scenes. I've been meeting with a doctor just to kind of get a healthy diagnosis. I think we're getting to a space where I've figured out some of it. I've got to create clearer boundaries around this work. Um, and uh, it's been thankful. I've been thankful to have such a gracious wife who's who's been amazing through this whole thing, and Rick, who's been absolutely understanding about this. And so I felt like in order for me to move forward, I needed to step back for a couple of months. Um, two weeks completely off the grid, but two months with a very dialed back um, pastoral schedule, uh, just to get, get my head clear and find a healthier space for myself uh, so that I can do what I feel called to do and what I love to do. And so I wanted to have this, we wanted to have this conversation today. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Rick because uh, it's very hard for me to talk about without crying. I've cried a lot, too much, and um, I just wanted to bear my soul and kind of let you know where I'm at. Uh, as as your pastor, yeah. They're not going to make it easy on me. <laughs> yeah. So just for clarity's sake, one of the things that we've been walking through, I think, for the last year is um, Eric's work in, in uh, coaching, and that's taken up a lot of time and energy and emotions, and he's put his whole self into it. And, uh, 
and he pulled back from kind of the, the year-round coaching in February, and I think that's when we started talking about this, this sort of dark hole. And um, just so you know, there's no scandal, there's no weird crisis thing. Usually when pastors get up and talk about this stuff, everyone's going, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I saw this on the TV channel one time, and, uh, and that's, not, that's not the case. What is the case is that um, I, I can't think of anybody on my staff that doesn't come from uh, some, some sort of trauma uh, as a kid, and God uses those broken places to give us a, a love for people who are in those places. And at the same time, as most of you know, the, re- the need is way bigger than the resource when the resource is us. And, and so, uh, you know, what we see is Eric just running too hard for kind of too long and, um, and not, you know, we, as, as we look at this, we go, how do we in this moment care for Eric and Mia and their family and for this this congregation, which is Imago Day, And so what, what we're doing uh, is coming around, Eric going for two weeks, completely off the grid. Uh, he's working with a great counselor. The reason I know that is because it's my counselor, just in case you're worried that we're not all completely off the rails. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so... And then coming back and engaging really through the staff for the the following six weeks, so that's eight weeks. Uh, As part of that, um, he'll be in and out on Sundays as he sort of feels good enough to be here. And we have so many great communicators, right? Leroy and Donna, Michelle Jones will be here next week. I'll be able to come back in the pulpit, not that I'm saying I'm a great communicator. Um, <laughs> but, but we're going to make sure that we care uh, for this community as well, because we are one community. The other thing that we're doing is that um, Josh Butler, Josh and Holly Butler, are going to be coming over here full time to uh, build community. So would you guys stand up? (laughs) And uh, not coming over to replace anything, but to come over to to kind of help and come alongside this community. Josh is um, one of the best pastors at Imago. So we are giving you a central or whatever we call this weird organization. We're giving you the best we got. And, uh, and, and Josh has worked developing local mission and global mission and home communities and congregation. And so he'll be working through, like, how do we take this congregation and continue to grow and becoming a real community that's serving this neighborhood that has lots of needs? Um, culturally, Josh is also probably one of our quickest learners. Uh, we focused globally on unreached people groups in Vietnam and kind of went to them and said, this is what we feel. We, we really globally want to focus on unreached people groups, and there's a, a lot of them in Vietnam. And he said, okay, so, so what am I supposed to do? I, go find them. And... Uh, <laughs> 
And he literally flew to Vietnam and found the underground church, and we've been working there for a whole bunch of years, like by himself, just like dur, 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 in Vietnam. So all that to say is a quick study. Um, but, but one of the things that I want to just talk about, and I want us to spend some time in prayer together as a, as a family here today. Uh, as, as we move into this next season, it, it really is an opportunity for God to kind of prepare us uh, as we move into the school, as we're beginning to grow, and as we look at kind of the fall and what God's going to do at Imago Dei Eastside. When Jeannie and I moved to Portland in 2000 to start the church, God gave me this passage and it says this, it's Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations." That's a passage that Jesus uh, opens in Luke chapter 4. He walks in the synagogue, he opens the scroll, and he reads that, and he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. What he's saying is, this is my job description, that I will be looking for the people who are in prison so they can be released, that I'll be looking those who are poor in spirit and poor materially, and I'm going to preach good news to them. I'm going to look for those whose hearts have been broken and I'm going to bind them up. I'm going to find those in darkness and bring them into light. And that comfort those who mourn, providing for those who are in grief. And then he says, what I'm going to do with them is I'm going to turn them into these oaks of righteousness, right? An oak tree is like the, a hardwood tree. And I'm going to plant them so that they can grow and display my splendor. So that these broken people who have experienced the ashes of life actually become in this strong testimony of God's mercy and God's grace. And they're the ones who end up doing this renewing work. They'll rebuild the cities. They'll restore. As we have been at this now for 18 years, we can testify that not only were we those people, but we still are those people. Every one of us comes to the Lord broken and needy. We all come in these seasons of grief and mourning, but we are trusting all the time that he's actually showing up and doing his work, which is to bind that broken heart, right? To comfort those who mourn to bestow on them beauty instead of ashes, gladness instead of despair. 
And so we never want to be a church that acts like we have it figured out, because we don't. But we want to be a church that authentically and vulnerably lives the reality of who we are before the reality of all that God is. And that's messy, and it's broken, it's not clean, it's not always pretty. But if anything about this last weekend, Easter, teaches us anything, when there's a blood-stained, crucified Savior, then obviously something going on in our life is not pretty. Otherwise, that doesn't have to happen. And yet he conquers the grave and calls us to live in this new life. And so we believe, like we're praying and we want to be in this deeply with Eric and Mia, but also with you. And we believe with all our heart that God uses these times to make us stronger, to bring us to a place of clarity, and really to draw us together as a community. And so there's three things that I would ask of you. One is that you be in prayer for Eric and Mia in the next eight weeks. We just want to give them some space. If you've ever called Eric, you know that his voicemail's full, right? And you can't even leave a message. Um, as his boss, I know that. <laughs> or maybe that's just for me. I don't know. Um, but it, give the, if you would give them some space and pray for them, that would be amazing. And yet you still have needs and you, you still have questions and life is still going to go on. And that's where I'd ask you to lean into Mike and Josh and Ashley and Angelica and the staff. Um, so we want to be praying for them as well. The other thing is that we would pray for each other. Uh, one of the things that that happened at Imago at about seven years in is that I hit a wall very much like this. And the elders said, okay, uh, you need to leave and take a break. And so I was like, announce it and go. And I was thinking like, am I gonna come back to a church or like what's gonna happen? And amazingly, the church survived, <laughs> right? Actually, it, it did really well. and. Uh, when I did come back, they were like, hey, what's up? And uh, we, we're doing fine, right? And, and so, but what happens is sometimes we move out and it creates room for you to step up. And the body metaphor of scripture starts functioning, right? Like it's supposed to. We need a hand, we need a foot, we need a leg, we need a, and, and when you, I mean, every single one of you in this room has been gifted by the Holy Spirit with a spiritual gift, and it's needed in this congregation so that we can be complete and actually demonstrate the fullness of the body of Christ. And sometimes um, with Eric and I, we have a big gift, and it's our mouth. And when we talk, everyone gathers around, and we can kind of just say, well, that's it. That's the show. And really it is saying when we back out, sometimes as leaders, it creates room for you to step up. And, I, and so I ask you to pray that that would be the case. Pray, God, what is it that you've called me to do here in this community? As we look out around this, you know, southeast Portland, we know the needs are way more than our resources. But God didn't call us to come and fix southeast Portland. He called to come and be faithful and bear witness 
that another love, another world, another story is possible. And so a little band of people like this actually can transform Southeast Portland, but it's because he's the one that's binding up broken hearts. He's the one that's comforting those who are grieving. And he's the one that's taking those who are covered with ashes and giving them the oil of joy. So this morning, what we're going to ask is just that we have a, a couple segments here to pray. I know that's kind of, for some of you, that's great. For some of you, that's a little weird. Um, but we just ask you to kind of huddle up where you are and to spend some time praying. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable praying, you can pray to yourself. But just a couple people within your group right there. And the first, so we'll have three segments of prayer. And I, I just think... This is a moment for us to say, God, we're here, we're waiting on you, and we need you. Um, the first segment that we want to pray for is Eric and Mia. And Eric, I mean, to both of you, I think we want to say thank you. Like, we know what you put it. Yeah, exactly. Amen. One of the things that I think as leaders we struggle with when we are in this broken place is that somehow God's done and God's put us on a shelf or we've, we're disqualified now. And I just want to tell you that you're not, that we affirm God's gift and God's calling on your family. And we believe that you are God's family for this church. And what we want is for you to be the best use that you can be and to have the fullness of life, right? That you wouldn't be given so much that you wouldn't feel it, but that it would overflow from something you're experiencing. And we know that that's not happening right now, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you find that place, man. And so I'd ask that we spend some time praying for them, and then afterwards, Ben Sand, one of our elders, is going to come up and close us in prayer, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So circle up, pray. And then Ben will close us. And so, Lord, we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we recognize that in Eric and in Mia... These, this is your son and this is your daughter whom you love. And we are their sisters and their brothers whom love them. And you have brought this community together to reflect how you engage in the world. And so we recognize that Eric and Mia are not workers. They are um, they are people whom you love and whom we love, and we will declare, God, that we believe that in this eight-week period, you will, um, you will work in this community. You will work in the Knox home. You will, you will use this period of time as you wish because we submit ourselves to you, and Eric and Mia submit themselves to you. And so I ask God that your Holy Spirit would bring a sense of renewal 
in Eric's heart and in his mind and in his body. We thank you for all of the ways that the Knox family has stood and testified on your behalf in the world. And we thank you, God, for all of the ways that that will be happening in the days ahead. And so for this period, we celebrate that you are God for them and that you will care for them. And we ask that you would do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to stay in those circles real quick and do one last thing. Every staff meeting, I think our staff, we stare at each other like, can you believe this? Um, Just what God's doing. And we've yet scraped the surface of living missionally here as a community. We got a long way to go, but we step back and we're, we're floored at God's goodness in our life. And yet I look at this young staff and I say, man, man, we're overwhelmed. (laughs) And my prayer is for all my staff to not get swallowed up in the work like I did. Um, And we need your prayer. We need your support, your love, your encouragement. Uh, This, I've got a, we have a, you have no idea how phenomenal staff we have. Uh, Mike Dean and his wife are gold, gold to our body. We are so blessed to have them. Um, Ashley, gold. Um, Want to punch myself <laughs> for her making me look like a, a genius. Uh, phenomenal. Angelica, uh, behind the scenes, such such a worker and such a heart for this community. This is not a, trust me, it is not a job for her. It's her, she sees it as her opportunity to serve this body that she feels called to. You know how refreshing it is to have someone like that, not a hireling that's just collecting a paycheck? Hakeem Bradley, um, I, I was looking at someone else and it didn't work out and then out of nowhere, Mike, shot up his name and he was a kid I said years ago man if I had a church and I needed a youth guy that would be the guy and then forgot about him out of sight out of mind and then out of the blue when we're looking for a youth pastor he brings up the name I'm like I think I know that name we pull up the picture it's like Hakeem of course you would choose this person God and when I called him it was like handing him a million dollar lotto ticket or something (laughs) He was that excited about this opportunity. And to now have Josh, Meg um, on board. I want us to spend some time praying for our staff um, and making sure they feel shored up and supported and loved and encouraged. Because we know at the end of the day, the enemy doesn't want this thing to thrive. He didn't want a work going on in this community, right? Because if a work goes off in this community that's multicultural, you talk about the kingdom of God present. You talk about a witness to the city to bring races together, races and cultures together in the whitest city in, in America. 
So let's pray for our staff right now. Let's circle around. Let's pray for them and uh, that God would be present, that God would protect, that God would love uh, them. Uh, so let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we lift up the team here at Imago Eastside, God. We pray that you would fill them with your spirit. We pray they would know that you called them, first of all, to love them, not to use them. And they would walk in that love, God. Father, I pray for this congregation that you're forming. I pray, God, that you would, um, by your Holy Spirit, that you would identify the part you have for each of us to play. God, that we would courageously step into places that aren't comfortable for us and allow you to flow through us in your love. God, use us to encourage, to edify, to serve. God, use us to teach, to evangelize. God, use the gifts of your spirit to prophesy and to speak words of encouragement, God. Father, would you build this body up into maturity so that it could display your kingdom in this city? Father, I pray right now as we prepare to come to the table and as the worship team comes, that in the next few moments, God, you would speak to our heart and give us courage and peace and joy that you would become that breath in our lungs, God, and that you would meet us in this moment when we desperately need you as a congregation. Father, I thank you that, Jesus, you're the head of the church, and so you, you are never asleep, you are never missing, but you are present here and among us by your Spirit. As we come to the table, I want to read this passage out of Philippians 4 that Paul writes. Paul's in prison as he writes this. And he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The anxiety that we feel in moments like this is real. And, and I think one of our human tendencies is to uh, figure out how to fix something. You know, Paul's in prison. Paul, this is not a great day for the church when Paul's in prison. Probably going to be martyred. And yet what he tells them is to rejoice, which is like so counterintuitive, right? Hey, yay, prison. But what he says is, I don't want you to be anxious about anything. Anxiety is that thing that shows up in our life when we are out of control. And he says, don't be anxious, the Lord is near, right? But do this in everything, everything, by prayer and petition, make your request to God. 
and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, doesn't make any sense what he's saying. I'm in jail and I have peace, right? You're in that spot today and God says you can have peace in that spot. doesn't make sense. But that that peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. And our hearts and our minds is the place that anxiety wants to jump in and go, let me take over. And he says, no, I'll let God's peace take over. And so this morning, my prayer as we come to this table is that we would look at this body broken and this blood shed and realize that that's, that's what Jesus did so that we could be set free. That's what he did so that we could be transformed. And that's what he did so that nothing could separate you from the love of Christ. And so all those anxiety-causing things that want to accuse you today, he says, just, just give those to me and let me bury them with your sin and everything else so that you can have my resurrected life, which is peace to guard your hearts and to guard your mind. So would you stand this morning as you come to the table, invite the Holy Spirit to bring his peace. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.